0: I want to say some things as you open your Bible to Luke's Gospel, the first chapter. The first thing I want to do is to tell you from my wife and from my four children how very grateful we are for your generosity and the kindness that you demonstrated in giving us a Christmas offering last two weeks. We're just overwhelmed at that every year. Devin and I remain humbled and grateful for all the blessings of the Lord. And these things are free will, so whatever, they, whatever you give is what you feel like giving, and you gave just so kindly and so generously. Devin and I wanted to tell you how much we love you, and we're grateful for your generosity and your kindness to our family. We count it a tremendous privilege, and it is the honor of our life to lead this house. May the Lord bless you and multiply every seed back to you and your family. Can we thank God for his goodness on all of our lives? Amen. Before I get into my message, I just want to share this because I always wonder how to insert these things that I know God is saying into a message. And rather than somehow manipulating this into the message, I think it's just best that I say it at the beginning, not pull any punches and just say what I feel like God is trying to say. And then I'll preach the message on my heart. This past week, we had an earthquake in Chattanooga. Actually, it was in Decatur, but how many in Chattanooga felt the earthquake? Amen. Amen. We felt the earthquake, but that night something very significant happened that I felt like God spoke to me about my own life, about our church, about where we are in the Spirit. I was uh, re- getting ready to retire for the night. I was about to walk my dogs uh, for the last time. It was about 11.30 or 12 at night, and I had gone to put my hand on the front door, and I looked through the window of the front door, and there was a fox in my front yard, and this fox turned around and stared at me like it had some unmitigated gall not knowing that i have a 12-gauge shotgun that i am not afraid to use when i need to use it and i was sitting there and i had my hand on the door with my two little dogs at the door and uh and they knew something was going on but i i didn't open the door because i didn't know i thought the fox may attack the dogs but the fox stared at me for what seemed like seven eight seconds and uh And then another fox ran up out of my neighbor's yard and ran down the street that fox ran out of my yard and took off running with the other fox and we just don't have foxes where i live i've never seen a fox i've never seen anything like that before it was in it was in the front yard and i felt like the lord spoke to me and said tell the people of god remind them that it is the little foxes that spoil the vine and i want to say this to you on my way to my message today Foxes only show up when it's harvest time. You can't spoil a vine if it don't have no fruit on it. Foxes show up when it's harvest time. And they try to rob you of the fruit that God intends to put in your life. And I want to tell you this today. And this is really what I wanted to say before I start preaching today. Because I've seen it happen in the last 72 hours. I've seen the Lord heal some relationships and help people get through some offenses and over some stuff. We're in a season right now, I don't understand it. Devin and I can testify of it. I've seen it in the community. I've seen it just in little pockets, things that we've been called in to, to, to deal with. It's crazy. I want you to hear your pastor tell you in love today, be on guard against the spirit of offense. I could throw this microphone down and close my Bible and walk off this stage right now because I feel like I just helped some people in this house. The enemy right now, I don't know what it is about this season, but in the last four days I have dealt with, and I'm not just talking about people offended with me, I don't even know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about having to help people work through stuff. There is something happening right now in the body of Christ, in little pockets and places I see the enemy trying to stir up strife. And I'm telling you, some people don't want me to talk about this right now because I am turning the light on that devil. I'm turning the light on that devil right now and I came to uncover what he's trying to do in a hidden place. Don't you get offended in this season. You're getting ready to step into the greatest blessings of your life and the enemy is trying to get you tore up and offended before you... Look at your neighbor and tell him right now, I'm not biting that bait. I'm not biting that bait. No, 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 devil. You're not going to get me offended. I feel like preaching right here. I have come too far to let the enemy rob me and these little foxes are not going to spoil my vine and I say this in love I never had a fox, I, in fact I didn't even think of it as a spiritual thing at first I thought of it as a an archery or a, not archery, but target practice you say, Pastor, would you shoot a fox, I shoot anything that can harm my dogs I got two little bitty tiny dogs. They they can't fight like that. I'll shoot a fox. Well, I ticked off the animal rights people now. Sorry. But my dogs are animals too. Everybody deserves to live, right? Come on. So I'm just saying this. When the Lord spoke to me and said that the little foxes pull the vine, I felt like I would. And Devin released that Wednesday night. There was only a couple hundred people here, and I felt like I needed to hit it one more time this morning. Two things you need to hear me tell you. It's harvest time. Get the foxes off the field. Run them out of your life. Don't let the little foxes take your harvest. Look at somebody tell them, don't let the foxes take your harvest. And number two, the spirit of offense is one of those foxes for some people. And I'm going to challenge and love you enough right now to tell you God is far too wise and much too powerful for you to think that somebody else who tried to do something to you could keep you from what God has for you. I I I don't I don't want us to live in offense, and I'm going to tell you, we we just have to get our hearts right, get our heart pure. If there's some bitterness or some offense locked up in there, it's I'm I'm telling you, it's hindering what God wants to. And there's somebody watching me on live stream right now. You think because you ain't in here hearing this that this ain't for you, and this is for you, which is why you're feeling this on the inside we got to get these things right in our heart before God can bless us like he wants to bless us. So let's work through it. Look at somebody say, let's work through this. Let's work through this. Don't let offense rob you. Now, the devil's mad. You ought not be mad with him. You ought to be thankful that God loves us enough to put foxes in the front yard of the pastor. Come on, somebody. So we can get rid of the foxes in our life. It's harvest time. I'm not going to keep you long today. But I'm going to keep you for a minute. Luke 1. Luke 1. Tonight I'm really, really excited about Story of Joy. They put a lot of hard work into it. It's going to be a powerful Christmas production. You don't want to miss it. Bring your family and your friends. It's going to be a wonderful night. Get here to Jingle Jam if you got babies. We have instructed the kids to terrorize you all afternoon long (laughs) until you decide to come back to church tonight. Okay. 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 Yes. Luke 1. Can I read a little bit today? I like reading the Word. I know sometimes we say in an effort to save time, but you know, there's a lot of things we can save time doing. Reading the Bible is not something that wastes my time. Luke Luke 1 verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless. But they had no child. But they had no child. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years and so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense and when Zacharias was Saul Uh, Pardon me. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn the hearts of many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now look at this. This man has just seen an angel. The first man in the New Testament to see an angel. Okay, we always talk about Joseph and Mary saw an angel. No, Zechariah saw an angel before anybody else in the New Testament. He just sees this massive angel standing at the right side of the altar and Zechariah decides to get difficult with an angel. He says to the angel. How shall I know this? What he's really saying in the Greek is, how do you expect me to believe this? Look at somebody and say, neighbor, God expects you to believe. How do you expect me to believe this? For I am an old man. I get senior citizen discount at (laughs) Shoney's. Come on, I'm an AARP member. And my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news, these glad tidings. But since you can't agree with me, this is Wallace inserted here, since you're going to be difficult, behold, I'm going to put a muteness on you. You will be mute and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which were, will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zechariah's And they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple but when he came out he could not speak to them and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned them and remained speechless so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed he departed to his own house now after those days his wife elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months And said the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people now I want you to flip over here to verse number this is almost done here but this is the word of the Lord amen Amen. flip over to verse number 59 so now Elizabeth has had John and now he's born now look at verse number 59 so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. So they made signs to the father what he would have them be called. And he wrote, look at your neighbor, tell him, don't let your cousins name your baby. Don't let your cousin's name, you've got to name it what God said, name it. Come on in here, somebody. There was no one among your relatives who was called by that name, so they made signs to his father what he would have him be called, and he wrote on a tablet saying, his name shall be called John. And they all marveled, and immediately his mouth was open, his tongue got loose, and Zechariah started praising God. That's good all by itself right there. I want to preach this morning for just a few minutes on this thought, don't stop believing. Look at your neighbor tell a neighbor, don't stop believing. Father, help me today to preach and teach this word with accuracy and unction, with authority, with inspiration. I pray for great clarity of thought, Lord, to come. I pray that while we are together and we are seated in this place that is heavenly, you would feed us, oh God. I give you my ears to speak to and my mouth to speak through. I pray the people of God would be encouraged today. I pray that lost people would find Jesus as he rescues them from their sins today. Heal sick people while we're preaching today. Deliver those who are in bondage. I pray the truth would break chains today. Hallelujah. And I thank your Holy Spirit that you are the great preacher. Stand up in me today and preach. And may Christ be glorified. In his name we ask and everyone said. Amen. Look at your neighbor on the way down. Tell them, don't let your cousins name your baby. We have entered the season of Advent and it is during this time of the year that we are aware and cognizant of the reminders of the Christmas story. In fact, You can even go into shopping centers and malls. And by the way, if I can just give you some instructions that would bless your life. Stay away from Hamilton Place Mall. I feel like that was on the cusp of hell yesterday. Hell's headquarters at the mall. Never seen so many people mad and fighting over one parking place in all my life. But everywhere we go, we see the snippets of the Christmas story and we are reminded of what this time of year means to all of us. And yet, somehow, in the obviousness of the Christmas story, there is a story going on behind the story. There is a scenario setting up behind the scenes that I think is germane and pertinent. And I, I actually think it, 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 it brings this time of year even more gravity more weight, it makes this time of year more important and the message of what this time of year brings is even more significant when we know the story going on behind the story. Amen. When we understand the scene and the scenario on which the Christmas story was birthed. First of all, I want you to understand that when the Christmas story happens, it is, it is birthed. It comes in the context, first of all, of days of silence, say days of silence. understand that when the prophet malachi finished his prophetic utterance in malachi you close the book of malachi and you open it up to matthew chapter one in your bible it is the crossing over between the old testament and the new testament malachi closes out the old covenant matthew begins the story of christ and the coming of the new but between malachi's prophecy And Matthew's Gospel, between those two books, you turn one page, but what really happens in history is that 400 years pass. It is 400 years that historians call silent years. There is no prophetic utterance between Malachi and Matthew. There is no sign from heaven, no wonder in the earth. There is nothing said. Heaven is silent. Prophets are not prophesying. There is is nothing active in the heavenlies, as it were. History is just marching along. The Jewish people are becoming more enslaved. The Jewish people are becoming more religious. It seems that they're just getting complacent and settled into their religion. There is this sense of silence, this spiritual silence. God, you're not talking to us. Not only are they silent days, but they are days of darkness. Because when you read Luke chapter 1, one of the most fascinating things about this Christmas text to me, and it is so easy to overlook and miss it, we just read because we're trying to get to the manger. We are mesmerized by the manger, and I love the manger. But before we ever get to the manger, there is this there is this phrase that is so significant for the context of the Christmas story. And it is this phrase, in the days of Herod. That doesn't sound significant, does it? It doesn't sound germane. It doesn't sound like it's really important that this story is set in the context of the days of Herod. But Herod was an evil man. Herod was one of the most maniacal, vile leaders that ever lived in the history of God's people. In fact, if you study this man, Herod, and his life, you will find out he is obsessed with power. He is obsessed with power. He is obsessed with the throne. History would even tell us that he is so obsessed with the throne that he killed his own sons. He had them tortured and murdered so that none of them would be able to rise up and take his throne of power from him. He must be a maniacal man because when he found out that Jesus was born... Your Bible says that Herod consulted with the wise men who were looking for the star in the east and when they came to Herod to tell them of of the star they had seen and the promise that the Messiah had come, he says whenever you find the baby, let me know where he is because I must go and worship him as well. And we know from the the account in scripture, Herod had no intention of going to worship Jesus. He simply wanted to go to where Jesus was so that he could have the murdered. This man is a maniacal man. He is obsessed with power. He, He tortured many in the Jewish, among the Jewish people. He was an evil man. And the Bible says that in dark days, the days of Herod, in silent days when God was not talking, God was still up to something. I just dropped by to tell you that no matter how dark you feel like this world is sometimes, no matter how quiet you feel like God is, has anybody ever felt like God was quiet? Oh, come on in here and be real with me, somebody. Have you ever felt like God didn't have something to say about something that was very important to you and you wanted an answer but you didn't get one? How many ever felt that way? Lift your hand. How many was it today? Come on in here, somebody. How many was it yesterday? Come on. Sometimes we go through seasons where we wonder is God saying anything about our situation? is God aware of the darkness that we're walking through is God aware of the pain that we're feeling and the plight that we're walking with is God, is God sensitive to our situation I just wanted to drop by today and tell somebody that when God is quiet and when the days are dark and even when it feels like there are leaders and there is a tone in nations and the world where darkness is prevalent and we wonder is there any hope there is still a a God who is sitting on the throne, who is in control and in charge, who has all power, who is sovereign and at the end of the day he will write the final chapter, he will stroke the final period to the sentence of this story that he has written called history and we know who wins, we know how this ends, we are overcomers, Christ will reign forever, Jesus is exalted, can you say amen? Amen. In dark days, in silent days, in quiet days, God is still on the throne. God is still moving. And in the days of Herod, in silent, dark days where Herod was king, I love how Luke paints this beautiful contrast. He says, in the days of Herod, and he and in the days of Herod, he he expects his readers to know how evil Herod was. And right in the same sentence when he tells us that we are living in the days of an evil leader named Herod, in the same sentence he says, but there was a man named Zechariah. There was a woman named Elizabeth. The two were married. And look what the text says about Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible says that They were righteous, verse 6. They walked in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord and were blameless. Do you know what this tells me? This tells me that there are still people who live for God in an unholy world. There are still people who take their commitment to Jesus very seriously. Just because the world is quiet and just because the world is dark and just because it looks like hell is breaking loose in the nations of the earth, that is no reason for you and I to cast off restraint and to say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Is there any real need to live for God? The devil is a liar. There is a need for us to live for God. In fact, I just dropped by today to encourage people of faithfulness who feel like they're faithful when every one of their friends are living crazy and living however they want and you feel like you're the only one making a sacrifice sometimes, I just want to tell you it's going to make a difference in the end. Don't you ever let the days that you're living in determine the kind of life you're going to live for God. You've got to learn how to say, if none go with me, still I will follow. I'm going to serve the Lord. neighbor and tell a neighbor, I made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. You've got to have a made up mind this morning that you're going to serve the Lord. You're not going to, listen, you're not going to throw away your faith. You're not going to throw away your hope. You're not going to throw away your confidence in Jesus. Just because this world doesn't know him as king, doesn't mean you don't know him as king. I can't testify for everybody else, but I can testify for the Wallace family. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. I need to stand up this morning and say thank you, Lord, for your goodness on me and my family. Oh, I wish I could find me a few people who would say I don't know about everybody else, but as for me and my house. We're gonna serve the Lord. They kept on serving Jesus. And some of you need to be admonished and encouraged today to keep on serving God. Don't throw away your confidence and your hope. It has great recompense of reward, Paul says. Sometimes we get overwhelmed feeling like we're the only ones. The, the tribe of the Christian people is a small, picked on, well, they're, they're a beat up tribe and we're barely going to make it to heaven and we're barely going to get through. The devil is a liar. When we cross the finish line, we're not going to say, farther along, we'll know all about it. When we cross the finish line, we're going to cross saying, look what the Lord has done. God's been faithful. God's been good all the time. God's made a way where there seemed to be no way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah anybody testify today that God's been good to you in this house I'm throwing stuff everywhere in here but I feel like preaching in here today I feel like telling the devil you won't get my faith you won't get my testimony you can't have my trust in God yeah we're living in some dark days hell's breaking loose all around us but there a God It's a dichotomy, it's a contrast. It's dark days and quiet days at times, but there are still people living right, people living holy, people obeying the Word of God. And watch this. You would think that a couple who walk with God in dark days, you would think that a couple who keeps the Word of the Lord in dark days, You would think that a couple who is faithful to their priestly duties in dark days, you would think God owed them something. But we have a problem in this text. We have faithful people who feel like failures. We have holy people who have a hopeless heart. We have committed people who feel conquered. I served the Lord. I walked with God. I was faithful to my priestly duties. This is Zacharias. I went to the temple and I fulfilled my obligation and me and Elizabeth lived right in the sight of God. But she can't have a baby. She's barren. And now we have a dual problem. We're both old in years. I wish I could tell you this story was different. But the fact of the matter is, you can't find a sin in Zecharias or Elizabeth in the text to pin the barrenness to. You can't. Because you must understand something. Barrenness in this day was equivalent to a curse. Yeah. Your, your, your fruitfulness, the fruit of your womb, your offspring, was an indicator of the goodness of God, the blessing of the Lord. The favor of God was resting on you. If you had children, it's why the psalmist said that happy is the man whose quiver is full of children. Because there's a there's a there's a it's like a gift. It's, it's like a blessing when God, when God, childbearing was never just an arbitrary act of a biological happening. When you had a child in the Bible, it was a direct blessing from God. Okay. Move that before I kick it again. Hallelujah. (laughs) This is, this is something for this generation to, to take note of because now You can actually get pregnant with a child and it's optional if you want to keep it. I'm not getting no help. But in Bible days, it wasn't just optional. They actually had parties when people got pregnant because what they were doing was celebrating the favor of God is on your life. The blessing of the Lord is on your womb. God has opened up your womb and he's given you a promise for the future. So when you didn't have a child, When you didn't have a baby, everybody in the community talked about you. And now these precious priestly people, Elizabeth and Zechariah are in their mid-60s somewhere. And they're still living in faithfulness, but they can't find any favor. What do you do when you're faithful? I'm getting ready to help some people in here right now. What do you do when you're faithful but you can't find favor? What do you do when you pay your tithes and you and you read your Bible, and you got a prayer life, and you treat people right, and you love people the best you can, and when you do something wrong, you say, I'm sorry, and you do all that you can to walk with God, because you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What do you do when you're faithful? And I'm not talking about that Christmas faithfulness or that Easter faithfulness, and y'all don't want me to get started on this on this Sunday morning, but these people that show up twice a year to get their little annual blessing, I ain't talking about that kind of faithfulness. I'm talking about the kind of faithfulness in the middle of June when everybody's on vacation and everybody's talking about where they're going on their little little vacation with all their family and you get up on Sunday morning and you put your shoes on and you ride your bike to church and you taught your Bible to work and you got nothing but a testimony that if God don't ever do anything else for me, I'll never turn my back on him. I'll never walk away. Where am I at? Who am I talking to in here? Does anybody know what it's like to say I love you Lord and still have an empty womb? I love you, God, and still don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Oh, I just dropped by to help somebody in here. If you will remain faithful, favor is coming on you. Slap somebody tell them they stay faithful. Stay faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Weeping only endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Sometimes you'll go through a season where you gotta be faithful, even when you can't find the faith. And the problem with coming to a church like this is, so many Sundays you come in and somebody has broken through the favor and you're still faithful. and you're sitting no, up there looking at her and she done danced her weave out and danced her extensions off and you're sitting no, up there saying, why are you always going to have to bless her God when you're going to bless me? You better watch your attitude, number one. And number two, oh yeah, and number two, you don't know how long she's been faithful. I'm getting ready to bless myself up in here. But before you curse my harvest you better pay attention to the cost of my seed you don't know oh my god i'm getting ready to bless myself you don't know how many tears i had to cry you don't know how many nights i had to stay up late don't hate on me you ought to help me praise the lord whenever your time of favor comes i make a covenant with you that after all the hell you've been through with you baby I'm gonna shout with you slap three people and tell them favor follows faithfulness favor follows faithfulness I can't help it if you stop believing I can't help it if you gave up too early but I made my mind up a long time ago I'm gonna hold on to see what the end might be hey Come on, touch somebody, tell them God ain't through yet. Oh, I didn't feel this when I was preparing, but I feel this thing on the inside of me. Faith is getting ready to break out in somebody's life. Open doors are getting ready to come to somebody's life. Blessings are getting ready to break out of a whole I tell you, God is getting ready to bless you. He was faithful, Hmm. but he couldn't find favor. And so he just kept on serving. What do you do when you can't find favor and you're faithful? You just keep on serving. I often, as your pastor, and Devin will tell you this is true, and the staff will tell you this is true, I just get a picture of somebody in my mind. God will bring them to my heart, and I say, "Go check on so and so." I wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I got to check on them tomorrow. See how they're doing. Something ain't right, and I often want to fix waiting seasons. I'm not going to get no help on this one. I often want to fix your waiting season. I want to sit down with you and say, "You know, God's going to do it. God's about to. God's getting ready to." And I've learned as your pastor, sometimes what he's doing in your life, the best thing I can do is let you wait. Because some people try to step into their favor before they're ready to handle it. I'm not getting no help in here. Barrenness is only true. Until barrenness is gone. Amen. And when barrenness is gone, and God says barrenness isn't a thing in your life anymore, then barrenness isn't a reality. Amen. Oh, yeah. Some of us live in a self-imposed barrenness. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. You cannot find one place in this scripture where God ever said you had to be barren. (laughs) Y'all got to catch this. God never came down and said, Elizabeth, you're going to be barren. So since she hadn't had a baby, she concluded, I must just be barren. The problem is she concluded barrenness only because the baby hadn't come yet. Y'all not catching this thing. Y'all not catching this thing. Some of you have called yourself barren and the only reason you believe you're barren is because you haven't had a baby yet. But I came to tell somebody your yet is about to show up and God's about to show you you have not been barren it's not been your time yet but you're getting ready to step into your time somebody tell your neighbor I am not barren I'm not barren it's not been my time yet I'm not barren it hasn't been my season yet I refuse to believe I'm going to be barren the rest of my life God told me was going to fill my womb and barrenness has no control over my future. She called herself barren. They called her barren. God just said, it ain't that you're barren Elizabeth. It's not been your time yet. But but let's be real. Let's be real. Because although she's not had a baby yet, although it's not been her time yet, we are running out of time. Ahead, I need some help in here. Because I, 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 I hear you saying Pastor. I hear you saying that it's not been my time yet, but, but we are running out of time. And if you're gonna do this thing you showed me, then we're running out of time. Because, because, because I am an old man. And Elizabeth is not a spring chicken. She it's a very it's a very kind way of saying she's old, but it says she had waxed old in years. What do you do when it hasn't been your time yet, but you don't feel like you have much time left? Is it ever tormenting to anyone in this room when you think something good is coming in my life, but if God don't hurry, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to enjoy it. Oh, y'all not being real in here. Y'all going to act all churchy on Sunday. But have you ever felt like God... I know it hadn't been my time yet, and I believe my time is coming, but I'm running out of time. I feel like I need to tell somebody before I go take my seat that God knows how to redeem the time. Ah, come on in here and talk to me, Zechariah. Come on in here and talk to me, Elizabeth. Because although it hadn't been your time yet, and although you're worried you're getting older, there's still enough time in the hand of God to make happen everything he told you he was going to do. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. I need to say this to you because when you and I start getting our eyes on time, we start losing faith. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in here today. When, how do I know this is true? Look at the text. I'm just going to walk through the text today. I don't know if I'm going to preach or not, but I'm going to walk through the text. The Bible says this. He was. He went in. I don't even have time to talk about this. There were 24,000 priests in the day of Jesus. Okay, Zechariah was one of 24,000. All right, you understand that the priest. He was a priest and of the tribe of Abijah and when it got time to serve the Lord in the temple by burning incense, they drew lots. One out of 24,000. Which means that most men in their life, if you were a priest, most men never got the opportunity to go into the temple and light the incense on the altar and burn incense to God. It, it It was construed as an amazing privilege. In fact, Jewish historians would tell you, if you got to do that, it was a once-in-a-lifetime in experience. Zechariah is literally getting to have, getting ready to have a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Whoa. He has just drawn a lot. He's 65, 66 years old, and he's getting ready to go into the, in, into the holy place and burn incense, and it's the only time, in and he's never done it before, and he'll never get to do it again. Yes, Look at your neighbor once-in-a-lifetime. If I get to break anything off of you today, it is that mentality that nothing good will ever happen to you. I came to break that off and to tell you Merry Christmas. The God we serve is getting ready to give you a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know who's going to be the sender or the deliverer of the message. I just came to tell you, God's been looking at some faithful people in this room and you've been working in faithfulness when you had no favor and God told me to tell you, He's setting something up for you. Once in a lifetime, I'm going to go serve the Lord. Watch this. Don't miss it. Oh, if I had time to go into this, Jesus, help me today. He goes in to burn incense while he's in the holy place burning incense. The Bible said the people are outside praying. Something powerful can happen if we get the priest who will go into the presence and the people who will pray without the priest having to, oh, come on in here, somebody. Well, I need the preach. That's a whole other message. I don't have time to preach. I don't have time to preach that. But when we get people who can pray without the priest, they're on the outside praying, and he's on the inside in the presence. When you get people on the outside praying and preachers who get into the presence, somebody's going to get pregnant, and a shift is on the way. He goes into the presence of God. Watch this. And he just starts doing what any priest is trained to do if they get the opportunity to go in. He burns incense in the presence of God. Watch this. Heaven has been silent for 400 years. Heaven hasn't said a word. Heaven is getting ready to say something. And who is heaven getting ready to talk to? A 66-year-old preacher. Who has not had any favor. He's just been faithful. And the preacher goes in and the priest is standing there and he's burning incense. And off to the right, a 10-foot angel. And Zecharias is burning incense. And see, the reason why we don't catch these things in the scriptures because we, we were taught that angels floated around with chubby, chubby cheeks and had little wings and a little bow and arrow and they were cute. But that ain't how an angel looks. Gabriel y'all, this joker stood in the presence of God this is a bad man, this is a bad hand this dude is just, the hell don't mess with Gabriel come on, and Gabriel shows up in the temple and the Bible said Zechariah is overcome with fear and he's overcome with emotion, and the angel looked at him and said fear not, it's first thing he said why did you say that, because it's the first thing he felt was fear right. <laughs> fear not Don't miss this. He said, God has heard your prayer. Now, wait a minute. Because the next part of that verse says, God has heard your prayer. Your wife will have a son. Follow me. Get this. You got to catch this in the English real close. God has heard your prayer. Your wife will have a son. God has heard your prayer. Your wife is going to have a son. Wait a minute. I know he didn't just pray that prayer in that place. Because he's 66 years old. He stopped praying that prayer. Y'all not being real. See, I don't know. He hadn't prayed that prayer in a very long time. Why? Why? Because Let me do a poll real quick. Where are my 60 people, 60s at? Y'all 60, 65, 60, 70? Come on, lift your hand. How many of y'all in worship this morning lifted your hand and said, God, give me a baby? <laughs> Come on, you're a lying wonder. You know you didn't pray that. You know you didn't pray that. Why? Because people on AARP getting so, come on getting social security checks in the mail and getting senior citizens discounts at the IHOP, they're not praying for God to give them babies. So if they're not praying for God to give them babies, what is the angel talking about? I heard you. What do you mean you heard me? I ain't said that in a while. i tell you what he was talking about. He was talking about that prayer he prayed 30 years ago. Y'all not catching this thing? I, I wrote this thing down. Let me read this to you. Let me read it like I wrote it down because I wrote it down in the power of God. God was on me when I was writing this morning. Here's what I, here's what I heard the Lord say to me. What do you do when your prayers outlast your faith? Have you ever been in a season before? Well, I feel God breaking something right here. Have you ever been in a season when you had great faith for something and you had a lot of petitions going up about it? And then you came into another season of life and you thought, "I, I just missed it. I just missed it. And you stopped believing for what you had prayed for. But you have a problem. You have a real problem. Your prayers don't just evaporate when your faith for it does. Yes. What do you mean, Brother Wallace? I mean Revelation 5-8. The Bible said that the prayers of the saints are like bowls in heaven yes. that are still producing a savor in the nostrils of God. Yes. Y'all missing what I'm saying in here. What? I came to bless you today with this and I'm really going to be done in just a few minutes. Some of you have lost your ability to believe for things you used to believe for but you have a problem on your hands. You think because it got later in life that God didn't answer what you asked him for 30 years ago, and you stopped believing for something you used to believe for, and the problem is not that you shouldn't have believed for it, that the issue is you grabbed a promise before it was time for the promise to come to pass. And just because it didn't come to pass when you thought it was coming to pass, you automatically assumed that. That promise didn't belong to you. But God sent me on Sunday morning to tell somebody in this house that if you ever opened up your mouth and asked for it, God didn't say no. God didn't call you barren. God just said not yet, but yet is getting ready to show up. God is going to answer. I got to go, y'all. But I feel this thing in my soul. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man or woman avail much. The devil tried to tell you you couldn't have it. God sent me to tell you you couldn't have it yet. But you can have it. Weeping only indoors for a night. Joy. Somebody praise God all over this church. Somebody praise God all over this church. God's getting ready to do something. God's getting ready to answer your prayer. What do you do you do? What do you do when your prayers outlast your faith? When you prayed and believed and then you waited and stopped believing you are now visited by an angel who tells you God heard that prayer you stop praying. Oh, let it sink in. God heard the prayer you stopped praying. I must say it again. God heard the prayer that you used to pray, but you stopped praying. I hear somebody right now saying this in their mind. Why does he always mess with me? No, 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 there's somebody in here right now saying he does this all the time. Every time I come, four times a year, and every time I come, he always just stirs this little thing to believe again up in me. God is trying to get you to understand you cannot stop believing. God isn't through yet. God's not done. praying for years and then you quit praying because it didn't happen. And then you come into your golden years. Oh, there's some young people in here. You ain't 65. You're 30. And you acting like life is over because you ain't married. Can I help you sisters in here who catch all those little, what is them things? You shoot them at the wedding and you catch them and you're supposed to garner you caught 12 of them and you still ain't married and now you don't even go to weddings no more because the spirit of bitterness rises up on the inside of you and you're sitting out there going I'm 30 years old 29 years old I'm tired of all these 19 year old ladies getting their man and they talking about babies and everything she's 22 years old here I am 30." Well, first of all, you need to time out and take a praise break that you didn't fall for no crazy joker. (laughs) Trust your pastor. Trust your pastor when I tell you I'd rather be 30 and single than 21 and married and miserable. Oh, y'all not going to help nobody in here? So what happens when we don't get it when we want it? We stop believing it's for us. And let me say this and I'm going to be done for the fourth time. (laughs) When the angel told Gabriel, you're going to have a baby. When when the angel told Zechariah, you're going to have a baby. Zechariah said, how will I believe this? I know the text says, how shall I know this will be? But in the Greek, it literally says, how do you expect me to believe this? And the angel essentially says in the Wallace unauthorized, oh, you don't? Oh, you don't believe? You're going to talk doubt? Because you going to watch what Zechariah says. How do you expect me to believe this? I'm old and she is too. God says, okay, I can already see how this is going to go. You are full of doubt and unbelief. So rather than you and your mouth cursing your own future... I'm going to put a mute spirit on you. If you can't say something in agreement, Dean Sachs preached a powerful word several months ago in this house, don't come out of agreement with God. If you can't get in agreement with God and his will, then God said, this thing is too important for me to allow you and your unbelief to bring you into a place of disagreement. Because agreement and disagreement are so powerful, God won't violate the principle. God would rather have a preacher, a priest who can't talk. And that don't even make no sense. A priest that can't talk. You know preachers like to talk. But for nine months, he couldn't talk. Why? Because his unbelief poisoned his speech. Some of y'all talk too much. And you talk yourself out of the future that God has already decided over your life. I made up my mind a long time ago. When God gives me a promise. I may not like Mary. I may not understand it. Oh, if I had time. The angel looked, the same angel looks at Mary. Gabriel looks at Zechariah and says, you're going to have a baby. He said, I don't know if I can believe that. The same angel shows up to Mary and says, same one that came to Zechariah said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored and blessed among all women. And Mary said, I don't understand the process, but I don't doubt the promise. I don't even have time to go down that road. The problem with Zechariah is that he doubted the promise. Mary didn't understand the process, but she understood. I don't have to know how the process is going to work out, but I do know one thing. This joker stands in the presence of God, and God is not a man that he should lie. If God said, I'm going to have a baby, be it unto me according to Thy word. So today, whatever you do, don't stop believing. And when you don't know if you're believing and your faith is strong, don't open your mouth and curse your future. There have been times in the last several months, somebody spoke something very significant over my life who didn't know me. And my religious mind automatically wanted to say, oh, that's too big. And I went like this. Oh, I didn't catch myself. He caught me. (laughs) Have you ever had the Holy Ghost catch you? You was about to say it, but he knows your thoughts are far off. So the one that was racing to your brain to come out of your mouth, that one filled with unbelief, he intercepted and said, not today, devil. That, That word is not coming out of her mouth today. Mary didn't say, I don't know if I can believe this. Mary said, I don't understand the process, but I don't doubt the power of the promise. Be it unto me according to that word. And here's the thing, God is so kind that he would put a mute spirit on a preacher to keep the preacher from ruining his own future. And do you know when Zechariah, I'm through, do you know when Zechariah's mouth opened up again? When John... Was born, and all the family came for Christmas dinner. And they were, oh, Zechariah Jr. is here. And Zechariah's over there sitting, can't talk. And they're trying to name his baby. And he said, God, you're going to have to take this muteness off me. And he writes down on the board his name will not be Zechariah, his name is John. Don't let your cousins name your baby. And what is the first thing that Zechariah does when God removes the muteness? He opens up his mouth and begins to sing a song. In the Latin, it's called the Benedictus. It's the blessing of God. He blessed God for the miracle of John. We are in a season that reminds us To keep believing some of you have buried promises deep 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 in your heart because you thought just because they didn't happen yet that they weren't going to happen for you God sent me today to remind somebody he heard you the prayers you stopped believing in are still living in the presence of God Your prayers, this is powerful, Revelation 5.8, your prayers are still bringing an aroma that captures the attention of God in heaven. Keep on believing. I know we don't like, some people don't like touching that neighbor, but just tap your neighbor, pat him on the shoulder a little bit, tell him keep on believing. Bless him. This this is not weird. I'm not trying to be funny, but just bless him. Just reach over and pat him. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. Time will try to rob you of faith. Disappointment will try to rob you of faith. Setbacks will try to keep you from believing God. But keep on believing. Because God will do what he said he would do. Stand with me, I'm through preaching. Heads bowed, eyes closed if you're in this room today. And you need Jesus to save you the most important group of people I could pray for today. In fact, if I could be so bold to tell you that the reason why we do church is for this group of people. We come on Sundays because we believe that every Sunday we come, there may be people who walk into this house who may know about God. They may know about Jesus, but they don't have faith in Him, and they never ask Him to be the Lord of their life. Or maybe you've known him somewhere in your past and you feel very far away from God today and you just say, Pastor Kevin, I need, to, I, need to, I need to know Jesus and I want him to rescue me today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Very little moving for just a moment. Most important moment of this message is this moment we're living in right now. If you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor Kevin, would you please pray for me? I want my heart to be right with God. I need to come to Christ. I want him to save me from my sin. I want Him to renew me and transform me. I want to be His child. I want to follow Him all the days of my life. Would you please pray for me, Pastor Kevin? I want to get born again. I'm counting to three, and if I'm talking to you, I want you to lift your hand up in the air, and I'm going to pray for you today for Christ to save you. You're going to ask Him to come into your heart. It's going to be the most wonderful thing that's ever happened. Jesus is going to save someone today. When I say three, if I'm talking to you, lift your hand up. One, two, three right now pray for me pastor i see your hands i see your hands i see those hands god bless those of you who have hands in the air you can put those hands down please look at me there's a person standing on your left and right there were a number of people who lifted their hand up today we don't do crazy things in this house we don't come get you i'm not here to push you into salvation salvation is a choice choose this day who you will serve today is the day of salvation And the beautiful thing about the mercy of god is that no matter how long we've run from him today is the day he will forgive all of our sins and give us new life in christ i want you to look at the person in just a moment on your left and right you may have never met them before today which could make this moment very awkward or you may have known them your whole life which could even be more awkward but i want you to ask the person on your left and right this question do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you and if you lifted your hand or you should have When your friend, your neighbor, asks you that question, if you lifted your hand or you should have, would you come stand with me in this altar right now? We're going to pray prayers today that Christ will hear, and he will save you today. Ask your neighbor all over this house, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, would you come stand with me today? God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming from all over this church. They're coming. Oh, come on, help me praise God. They're coming. They're still coming. Come on, we're like the one that celebrates when the the sun comes back home. We celebrate today, God. We thank you. I I know this is a stretch, but I really feel like there's some person in this place that is advanced in age. You feel like maybe you've wasted too much of your life. And I thank God for everyone who's coming. We're getting ready to pray, but before we begin this prayer of salvation, if there's someone who feels like they've wasted a lot of their life and the enemy's convinced convinced you, you wasted too much of it, I want to tell you that God can redeem what time you have left. Only, Only thing you have to do today is just say yes and so I'm just going to sing this Brian. Amen Come on. If I'm talking to you and you feel a little like you're a little too old for this call, but, but you know something's pulling, I want you to come, because it's not too late with Jesus, come on. Come on, you're not too late. I once was lost. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. coming. Sing praise God. We're going to sing this one time. Come on if you need to come. Praise God. Come on home if you need to come. Today's a good day to come home. While the Lord Jesus is touching your heart. Come on. Praise God. Come on home. Come on home. Before we pray, come on to Jesus. Oh, praise God. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. God bless you for coming. Anybody else who wants to come home to Jesus, come on. Oh. Come on, let's all thank him for what he's doing in our lives. Come on, sing praise God. Praise God everybody. Oh. Come on. Somebody really help me thank God for salvation today. Come on. Praise. Come on! Praise God! Oh, oh, praise God! Oh, praise God! I want to ask our elders and deacons and pastors, our prayer team, come help me, please. All my pastors and leaders and elders, come help me. I want you to stretch your hands toward them. Briefly, I want you to pray for them. That's strength and grace and peace would be multiplied to them. Would you pray with me now for these precious brothers and sisters who've come to give their lives to Christ today God I bless them I bless them Lord with strength and grace faith strength because I know how the enemy would try to make them weak grace because grace is sufficient to meet every need peace because it is the peace of God that passes understanding that allows us to keep our hearts and minds on Christ so today God Bless these precious brothers and sisters who we receive into your kingdom and into your family with the grace and the peace and the strength of our God in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for somebody in this room while they're praying here. If you would slip your hand up today in this crowd, I'm not going to call you down today, but if you would slip your hands up in this crowd today and say, Pastor Kevin, I need to keep on believing. You preach to me today, Pastor there's some stuff in my life i stopped believing for that i feel rising up to believe for again if that's you lift your hand right now all over this house don't be ashamed lift your hands i want you to throw both hands up to god like this right here father in the name of jesus i come to you now and i pray for the strength of god and the faith and the power to believe help our unbelief today god infuse your sons and daughters with the courage to know that you're not finished yet. And I rebuke the spirit of barrenness that told them they were barren. God, they're not barren. It just hasn't been their season yet, but today I declare their season is nigh. And I thank you, Father God, for open hearts and for faith that is rising and strength that is coming to their hearts today. And God, we thank you right now that every hindering spirit that has tried to bury the promise of God in unbelief Today, Father, that thing is broken off of every life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will believe. And we thank you that you've heard our prayers. Can we just sing this song one more time? And before we go, thank God for hearing our prayers. Come on, praise God. Somebody thank him that he heard. Come on, praise him that the promise is still is. Yes and amen. Praise God, praise God, Oh. Praise God, oh. praise God, praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Listen, they're going to continue to play. If you're coming to Signs and Wonders Conference, it is free, but you need to register. We got a whole team to register you in the lobby. Make sure you register on your way out. I love you. God bless you. We'll see you this Wednesday. We'll see you tonight, 4 4 p.m. for those with kids, 6 p.m. for the story of joy. Don't miss it. We'll see you tonight in the Lord's house. God bless you.